Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Kara. Marler, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think we jinx Kel Garrett. Don't say we. I Don't say we. I feel really, really bad. So the other day, you know, a little peel behind the onion here. We record the podcast on Sunday morning and find out, you know, by the time people are listening to the podcast that we recorded over the weekend after week six, people probably already knew that Kale Garrett was out for the season, the Mizzou star right. linebacker. I said he's probably been the SEC Defensive Player of the Year so far, playing at an All-America level. We find out yeah. late, late, late on Sunday night that he is indeed out for the year. And, of course, it looks really bad and it looks dated on the podcast because people are probably listening to it. Like, why aren't they going to make any mention of the fact that he's out for the year? So, if you heard that the other day, sorry for that. Sorry. It happens. We are going to hopefully not jinx anybody for any of the Week 7 action. The Week 7 slate that is oh so good that we are so excited for. Just recorded a great interview with our buddy... Adam Spencer, let him vent about a couple of Mizzou things. I know we got, don't worry, we got plenty of Florida LSU talk. He had hate in his heart. He let it out. He did have some hate in his heart and he let it out. Uh, some of the TJ Mo comments, our good buddy TJ Mo, that we let Adam talk about as well about Mizzou being self loathing losers. It's a really tough thing to that say. Is, I, it it's rolled so off his tongue and it really is difficult to say. Yeah. We're going to talk uh, about the question that Marler asked Herb Street that we got like a six part answer to the other day. We're going to provide our <laughs> own six part answer to. To it one concern for each sec contender that could potentially be their downfall because you know we sip the kool-aid a lot and we talk about the positives a lot you need to just knock some teams back let's talk earth. about negative stuff yeah let's get negative in a hurry we are of course going to do our picks we've got over unders we've got a couple locks of the week one that i'm actually feeling really really bad about that i'm uh, i almost backed out i almost backed out of but i'm not I going put to in five I know you put five, and I'm surprised because that is a lot for you these days. Usually we're going three or four. You're, you're very fired up. But before we get to all of that, Marler, your best friend, your, your, your actual true, your OG bay is Texas Pete. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty true. Um, yeah, so shout out to Texas Pete. You guys know that the SDS podcast is presented to you by Texas Pete. My favorite thing, besides Allie or Queso, in case they're listening, um, my favorite game day, I don't want to say meal because I don't think there's any protein in Texas, Pete. Regardless, you can put it on a bunch of protein. You can put it on your eggs like you do every Saturday Amen. morning. Uh, every I morning like it's in like general. like a relay rate. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, chicken yeah, sandwich. more aggressive. Oh, yeah. How many, how many chicken sandwiches a week are you having? Well, I have a chicken. Actually, I take that back. I, so Texas Pete is my go-to on my chicken sandwich that I have every day for lunch. I have it seven days a week, eh, six days a week, to, sometimes not so much on the weekend. And then I usually have salsa on my eggs, and then sometimes to mix it up, or if I'm out of salsa, Texas Pete is what I go with. So sometimes That's twice true. a day that I have it. I like that. Um, I, I'm excited for this weekend because we're not traveling anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's good football on all day. From noon till like 2 a.m., there's going to be good football on all day long. Ranked teams playing each other, that's a thing apparently still. Yep. Haven't seen a lot of that this year. Um, I'm super excited, though. So we have a big, big afternoon planned. We're going to do some home gating with Texas Pete. And if you don't know what that is, make sure you go to texaspeet.com uh, slash tailgating and check out all the latest recipes. Uh, they even have drinks. We got like a Moscow Mule from Texas Pete. I'm telling you, you can put it anything in there. Um and make sure you are sending us all of your best tailgating picks and recipes as well. You guys have been doing a great job with this. We're actually going to start a, a whole separate thread in the Facebook group 
of like just game day grills and, and tailgates and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited about that. But make sure you send in the picks with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. No losses, Connor, just sauces. Here's a little winning and boozing for you. Fun little story. This is a very Marler-like story that I'm going to say. Ooh, a couple I'm months, scared. a couple months ago, at my buddy's bachelor party in Milwaukee, we were we were at one of the the local waterfront bars during the day, and one of one of my best buddies, who's my groomsman at at my wedding, um, he orders a drink. He thinks he's ordering a Moscow Mule, and he what? says Moscow, and we're like, oh, what? Mezcal? He ends up ordering mezcal, which is like a forty dollar serving of of vodka. That I, I the mezcal is like a smoky tequila, and it's awful. oh tequila, it's tequila, not yeah. vodka. My bad. It's like a forty dollar drink is compared to like a six or a seven dollar drink. He takes one sip of it and goes, "This is not what I ordered." And then everybody asks him, "What did you order?" He's like, "Mezcal," and we're like, "Say that again." He's like, "Moscow." Okay, so you, that's not how you order that. That's not how you order a Moscow mule. You just say one word. Yeah, you don't just say one it's like word. It's Prince. Uh, but yeah, needless to say, uh, he did not have the best drinking experience that day. Did he but finish drinking it? He, that's a tough drink to get through with ginger. He drank a little bit of it and then Ooh. went up back to the bar and said, actually, sorry, you have to pour out this $40 uh, drink that I yeah, ordered but didn't order. Tab. Yeah. I bet he did it on purpose because if it was his bachelor party, he used the paper. It wasn't his. We got sirens. It wasn't his. It actually was not his bachelor party, so he did still okay. yeah, get caught with it. But anyways, I bet there's going to be a lot of people in Baton Rouge drinking some some Moscow mules maybe. A little bit of a little bit of whatever they can find. A little bit of something extra in their coffee. They don't need I feel coffee like this week. That's a that's a whole tailgate experience where you would have somebody just slurring something close to Mezca. Mm-hmm. And then just whatever is put in that glass, like, sure, I'll take it. What is that, Dayquil and rum? <laughs> I'm in. Let's do this. Florida, LSU, at night, Death Valley is going to be the place to be in college football. It is the best matchup of the year so far. We're talking LSU offense against that Florida defense. A couple of top five units going going. Uh, going face to squaring off. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, I'm so you, excited for this game. You are real excited. Yeah, apparently. Um, this matchup is one that we've been looking forward to now for, for a little while. And, yes, we always look forward to, to Florida LSU. We did the, yeah. you know, we did the It Just Meant More over the summer. We talked Florida LSU a lot. This, you went to the game last year. Yes, I went to Florida LSU last year. Loudest I had ever heard a stadium, as you right. like to remind me. This game this year, though, new life. New life because both teams have legitimate playoff aspirations. Both teams come in undefeated, obviously, and looking to build that playoff resume. We were surprised, or at least I, I shouldn't say we. I shouldn't say we. I was surprised to see LSU open as nearly a two-touchdown favorite. Uncle Chris, explain to the people why this happened. I, so I was surprised about this, too, because, I mean, I, I told you I thought it was going to be over a touchdown in, like, maybe around eight and a half because I'd seen it up around, like, for whatever reason, LSU and Auburn's, Auburn's lines have moved a lot, like from like you know what they opened in the summer to now. I but thirteen and a half against a team that just won against a top ten team that was like you know let's call it what it is like the media's darling to start the season. Emmanuel Acho he had, he had very mixed feelings on uh on the Bo Nicks up and down season I guess. From, he he from got called out started. by the way because he said he he went if you go back to his tweet in the first game he basically said the yeah. Bo Nicks era has started or something. That. Right, so, yeah. he's a legend. Has started, yeah, it's ridiculous. Legend but, Bonex, something like that. I mean, yeah, like I thought, thirteen and a half was a little bit high, especially because the over under was only around fifty two to fifty four. Has that since but, gone up? Um, I don't think so. I, I can double check, but I, I don't think it has. If it has, it hasn't been significant. But one of the reasons for that, I, I would assume, is 
LSU's offense has been obviously top notch this year. And I think the way they played against Utah State and they were able to kind of like stifle them defensively, the defense is actually statistically it's not that bad. They're giving up like 287 yards a game, which is, you know, that's pretty stout. Under 300 yards a game, that's good. It's not as good as, as Florida's, and it hasn't been anywhere close to what we thought we'd get from this LSU defense. But I, I, I guess also just being Death Valley at night, that usually counts for several more points in, in, on top of home field advantage. I think that if you're Florida, you're fired up about that. Mm-hmm. I, we, we asked, uh, asked Doring about this the other day, basically saying, hey, do I know Florida, you can say all the time, players and coaches, they don't care about spreads, Vegas, make of that what you will. When it's something right. like this that comes out that's that noteworthy, where you're a top 10 team and you're a double-digit underdog, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah. wait, we beat this team last year. Wait, we're the team that just beat a top 10 team last week. Florida players and Florida coaches, that, that's that, Dan Mullen is going to make sure that, that that information is known across that locker room. Oh, without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. But at the same time, I think that there is a reason for that, and the reason being that that Vegas is 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 sold on the LSU offense 100%. And that's not to say yeah. that they're not sold on the Florida defense, but I think that they – they have a little bit more confidence that the LSU offense is going to win that 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 key battle that I've talked about. They have more confidence in that, obviously, than they do Florida's offense with Kyle Trask going against that LSU defense. They must think that, that he is going to struggle. They must think that, and the general public must too, because this line hasn't really moved that much either. It, it went up a point, which was even more surprising. Right. Like it, I think it actually opened around at 12, and it's up to like 13 and a half now. But yeah, I mean, th- this is like... Th- Again, if you're looking for motivation and you're Dan Mullen, and when you get into like, you know, the real tough part of your season, where you, like especially for Florida, where you're going Auburn at home, and then you have you're going on the road to LSU, and then you get Georgia in a couple weeks, this is what you want. This is oh, a like yeah. best case scenario thing. Like you you want to be the underdog, and and for Dan Mullen especially, we've talked about it before. Um, I know in the offseason, I, I brought up his record against top twenty five teams, and overall it was like ten and thirty nine, and a lot of that or ten and thirty, and a lot of that was because of the years and years and years he was at Mississippi State and playing in the SEC West and all that kind of stuff. However, if you're Dan Mullen, especially, this isn't just a motivational tool for your team. It's one for you as well because, like, your first stat of the day here, Connor, Dan Mullen, the last five games he's coached against LSU, he's been an underdog all five times. He has covered the spread all five times. He's won outright in three of the games, and the only two losses were by a combined five points. Yowza. That 2017 yeah. beatdown, very, very, very impressive that day. Yeah. So keeping along that that same that same wavelength of, of stats, there are a couple of interesting stats in this game. Florida, per my crappy research of me going back and looking at every single Wikipedia page for every Florida team in the history of life, has never beat top 10 teams in consecutive weeks. Now, conse- consecutive weeks is different than beating a team in the SEC championship and then beating a top 10 team in the, in the SEC championship and then beating a top 10 team in the national yeah. championship. Obviously, Florida has done that before. It is a different ball game when we're talking about going into a physical, physical game against Auburn and then turning around and doing it a week later against a team that obviously has national championship aspirations. Right. Having said that, so Florida, like I said before, if Florida, I'm sticking by that promise, if Florida is able to beat a top 10 team in consecutive weeks, I will say that Florida deserves to be the number one team in the country, and I will wholeheartedly believe that, the resume, all of those different things. So this other stat, courtesy of our good friend, Chris Berfalica, since oh, yeah. 2010, 12 teams 
have pulled off an upset at home as a ranked team and then faced a ranked team as an underdog the following week. Those teams are 1-11 straight up yeah, and 4-8 and eight against the spread. The only win was 2014 Ole Miss at AM following their win against Bama. So... That kind of adds maybe that that I guess I probably should have probably should have you know brought into context before the whole why are they a thirteen and a half point underdog thing. I, I got to imagine that the odds makers have taken a stat like that into account. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that that's such a bizarre. Like he said, it took him is, a while to look up too. I, I mean, that's pretty crazy that it's been like that drastic. Uh, I mean, one in eleven. That's that's nuts. Um, what I will say is, I think that Florida has been given like. I don't know how much of this is based off of even the same kind of attitude that I had, or maybe we had at the mm-hmm. start of the year, where we didn't think that they were going to be this good. Like, I didn't think the defense was going to be this dominant. I, I sang Auburn's praises all last week about how they can, or mainly for the most part of the, like, the start of the season, of that defense can keep them in with or keep them in, in any game with anybody in the country. And I think Florida might be like that as well. I mean, this is a team that's leading the country in takeaways with 17. I mean, they, they are they have, I guess, the third in the country in sacks as well. I mean, that defensive line just flat out gets after the quarterback. Now, I don't know how that's going to really pan out in an offense where, you know, Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. Yep. And also, you're talking about a backup quarterback going to Death Valley at night. That is not easy. That's a big difference than, you know, being thrust in the action in Lexington. Andy so. Staples had a, a great breakdown of this, too, for The Athletic, wherein he talked about... Todd Grantham, we've talked about third and Grantham a lot. He sends so much pressure. This is what we do. Yeah. This is what he does. This is who he is. He actually hasn't sent as much pressure this year, surprisingly so. And that's because they've been so good in these one-on-one matchups. And you have a guy like John Grenard who has just been such a huge, huge piece yeah. of that defense. And when he's winning these one-on-one battles and you're you're making plays and disrupting an offense without having to, to send the kitchen sink. It makes a big difference, and I wonder how different is his game plan going to be against Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is super, super experienced. And if yeah. you leave guys open and he knows he's got he's going to have one of those dynamic receivers open out wide and he can hit them, that can be so costly in a game like this. You really need to be able to get home on those blitzes, and we expect LSU's offensive line to be improved. It's, gonna, it's definitely improved from what we saw last year where yeah. that game against Florida – those tackles did not have a chance against Todd no. Grantham's pressure. And Todd Grantham would have been a fool to not send as much pressure as he did last year. So seeing the tweaks that he's going to make with this new look LSU offense is going to be one of the great storylines of this game. Might determine who wins this game ultimately. Yeah. Well, if he finally just, you know, I don't know if he went to anger management or doing like breathing exercises, <laughs> but maybe just like take the leash off, man. Um, no, I mean, you're right, because I think like when you look at Joe, Joe Burrow, what's been incredible, maybe the most incredible stat out of his great start to the year is, he's at, I think his completion percentage is like 78% on the season, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say um, something about his drip. I was not going to say anything about his drip. So it's like his completion percentage is 78%, 22 touchdowns and three interceptions. Keep in mind, in the last decade, the most touchdowns an LSU team has passed for in, in one season is 23. He has 22 so far. But under pressure, I think he's like 58 dropbacks and 42 pass attempts. He's completing 71% of his passes. Very good. So, it's, I mean, that, that is going to be an interesting matchup. I, I will say, again, like doing like a deep dive into this, and, and this is all new. Honestly, this is new because it's like when you look at LSU, we don't ever associate an LSU team with, well, they're just they're a juggernaut on offense. Yeah. They've scored 42, a minimum 42 points in every game this season. It's the most points scored in the, through the first five games in SEC history. Yep. Right? I mean, it's been incredible. 
However, they I think they're averaging like 416 yards a game passing. Florida has not given up 300 yards passing in 39 games. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. That is yeah. pretty, pretty good. It's going to be also interesting to see. We talked about this so much going into the Auburn game. What does Dan Mullen do with Kyle Trask against that Auburn defensive line? In this game, where he's going to be in a hostile atmosphere, communication is going to be very, very limited. We saw how that yeah. impacted Bo Nix. How does Dan Mullen put Kyle Trask in position to succeed? Because we've talked about this secondary and how good it is getting the ball to the outside and having to deal with guys like Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton. Maybe a little bit of a different story than dealing with that Auburn yeah. secondary, which has been good. But I think when it's at its best, the LSU secondary is better, and it's going to be better making those open field tackles. How are they able to, to really handle that? And are yeah. they going to have busts in coverage, You know, some of the same busts that, that Auburn had? I think it's it's just it's going to be such a great chess match between both yeah. of these coaching staffs that have played that have just been above and beyond what we even thought coming into this year. Well, besides Coach O, because we we knew he was a well, of yeah, least. legend, legend, um, of course. No, no, I, I agree with you, and it, it'll be interesting to see. And like, if there's, we'll get to like the the actual prediction stuff later in the episode, obviously. But if there's if there's anyone that's gaining advantage from that this matchup of having a backup quarterback, and then like LSU's defense. Having a couple guys out, that's not as bad when you look at, like, the weakest link on this out of any of the units here is Florida's offense. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I still... That's not a slight at them either, but... No, it's not. I still, like I said, I still have questions about the running game. I thought LaMichael P. Ryan, yes, the 88-yard touchdown run, really, really impressive. If an Auburn if an Auburn linebacker wraps up at the line of scrimmage there, it's a different play. It's not like he went right. through some massive hole, some massive gaping yeah. hole that the Florida offensive line freed up. So, yeah, that is a question. Rashard Lawrence is not expected to start in this one, according to Coach O, but he mm-hmm. is expected to play. LSU needs a guy like him to be able to take Dude. advantage of that that young Florida offensive line. Yeah. Let's talk, speaking of contenders, let's talk about one concern that we have for each SEC contender. And we're saying contender is in, they are a contender for the division race. So we, we went over everyone. Everyone still has a chance in our eyes. Arkansas still has a chance. Kentucky, 0-3, yeah. who cares? You can win the division at 5-3. No, not them, not them. We've got three, though, for each division. Do we want to start with the West or do we want to start with the East? You start with the West. All right. And let's, I'll yell at you about whatever you say about Bama. Of course. Let's start right there. Let's start with Bama. You know it. It's the injuries in the front seven with this team. We already talked about a lot the loss of Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan, losing two inside linebackers in the beginning of the season. LeBron Ray also expected to miss a few more weeks. The Antonio Alfano saga, weird. That, just, that saga, I don't that wasn't that. No, just, Everything else is a valid point, though. Just weird in that, from a depth standpoint, of not having yeah, guys to be able to turn to. Because he hasn't, it's not like he played this year. You know, yeah. it's, it's not like somebody that we, we were expecting Alabama to rely on for, for huge, huge snaps. But as we talk about the depth, that's just one more thing that hurts. The good news, though, DJ Dale and Terrell Lewis, yes, the guy that I've been very critical of, he, they are both working their way back. Probably expected to, to probably play, I think, in this one. They're going to play. DJ Dale was leading... Uh, he was with the ones yesterday in practice, going through drills and stuff like that. So still, still an area that I think Alabama needs to improve in. I, I think Without that doubt. as they continue to face better teams, and especially looking ahead, looking way ahead, and I understand a lot of things happen need to happen for both teams to get there. But if they, it comes to that matchup against Georgia, that's not ideal. <sighs> that's not good. That's that's, that's not, not that's ideal. Not a, so not a good matchup for Bama. And then, and just in terms of if they can actually run into a team that can control the line of scrimmage and not necessarily let Alabama get into an offensive rhythm like it's been right. so used to being able to do, that's another thing too. So I, I think just injuries in the front seven for Alabama, the biggest concern moving forward. 
No, I think it's fair. Um, you know, Chiswick brought that up, and I think that's what, like, I don't want to say it's, like, the first time it, like, really opened my eyes to, like, worrying about that. But, I mean, he, he brought up the fact that it's, like, you have four starters, the stuff we've said on here, that are true freshmen. And, yeah, like, you know, I, I keep saying, like, well, they're going to get seasoned as the year goes on. They're going to learn. It'll be fine. Like, you know, by the time they get to November, they'll know what they're doing. They're still f- true freshmen. Yeah, they and, are. I mean, so, anyway. Um, UGA. And you know what? I need to apologize to UGA fans. Ooh. I did some self-reflecting this past weekend, uh, or this past week, and was looking at my response to Georgia and how I, you know, I, I have put them on this pedestal of, of what I expect out of them. And I realized that some of the excuses that I had made for Bama, I was not giving the same um, leniency, I guess, for okay. Georgia. Yeah, like I, I dismissed the whole South Carolina thing where I was like, well, yeah, I mean, but they still won by 24. Georgia's done that every single week. And so I apologize. I, I think I have, for whatever reason, kind of I underestimated how, how great this team could possibly be. I'm very worried. Okay. Wow, that's, anyway. that's big of you. That, that was just a little four-day turnaround. We're not talking about something where, oh, you said something in the preseason, you're apologizing for it now after seeing a few weeks of games. This is four days of you because the other day – you were critical of Georgia. We had very different takeaways from watching Georgia and Tennessee, yeah. and you were a little bit more of the belief of, hey, this team has some serious weaknesses, and they looked average for significant chunks of that game, and that's that's worth criticizing. Well, you know, you know what actually, like, what honestly was like the eye-opening thing was I was looking at something on Instagram, and it was some some scrolling through, and some Bama videos up, and it was like a play against Arkansas from 2015 when they won the national championship. And I didn't realize that in the bottom corner they had the score. Bama was losing to Arkansas 10-7 to in the third quarter of like two minutes ago. No one remembers that because they ended up winning the game and they won the national championship. And I have the feeling that like some of these slow starts are going to be – no one's going to remember these at the end of the year because they're going to be 12-0. and We'll see what happens after that. But Ooh, anyway, shit. enough of the nice things to saying about Georgia. Let me tell you <laughs> something. I hate your lights. Um, no, I'm kidding. So I will say what would concern me most about Georgia is – they're very young, uh, especially on defense. I don't really have any concerns with them on offense at, at all. You're not concerned about the, the the not being able to stretch the field or do that I think because I think they can. I think they can if they just call the plays. Okay. I mean, they, they got the guy to do it. Jake Fromm is a hell of a passer. Uh, and, and Lawrence Cager and the rest of those guys, like they're all – I feel like they're all capable of doing that. They just need to – Getting the right plays more yeah, often. Demetrius but, Robertson can can jet. There's no doubt. George Pickens, yeah. same thing. But yeah, it's it's getting to that point where we actually see it on a consistent basis and right. see it against good teams where they can actually get separation. So and that brings like that's a, a perfect segue because one thing that would worry me, and I know this sounds like I'm nit, like nitpicky, but not being challenged throughout the year, and I know what happened to Notre Dame, but like kind of going through a season, especially in the SC East, they've dominated for two years and they are just significantly better than I think every team besides maybe Florida. Um, not being challenged, then getting to the postseason. You saw how that worked out for Bama last year, um, and a couple other teams like Clemson, twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. So that would kind of concern me. And then last night was like that. Real quick, can I, can I chime in on that? I, I want to bark yeah. back. See what I did there? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I want to bark back on that real quick. I actually think Georgia has. If I was a contender. Georgia might have the most ideal schedule that I would want. Yeah. You get challenged once a month. You get yep. that one big challenge per month where in, in September, of course, you get the big Notre Dame show, showdown that everybody's looking forward to. It's top 10 teams in non-conference play. You get it at home. That's also nice. 
You're going to have the Florida game early November. Kind of right. see where you're at. You're not going to go six, seven weeks without getting tested. You're, you know, it's a little bit different when you're going to have to face Florida. And then you, of course, have the Auburn game right after that where you're going to have to go on the road. You're going to have to play in a really hostile atmosphere. And that Auburn team at the line scrimmage is really good. I actually think Georgia's schedule yeah. sets up Fire much better than, than some others. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even hear the sirens. No, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I've, I've said this... I, said, I think I said in the last podcast is like, and I, I did a bad job of like when I was being really harsh about it. I waited like twenty minutes, like I went back and I was like, by the way, here's all the positives. <laughs> um, so I'm sure there's a lot of people just turned off their their uh, I don't know whatever the podcast is, not the radio. But I, I out of all the teams that are contenders, I don't think even just in the country. Like you look at Ohio State's schedule, they still got to play Michigan, they still got to play Penn State. I don't know if they get Wisconsin, but they'll have to get them in this. They the do Big get Wisconsin. Championship. Yep. So that's that's not easy. Um, I think the Big Ten has got a lot of parity and a lot of like a lot of um, elite Top teams. And, yeah, yeah. But with Georgia, yeah, there's no team in the country that I would rather have their schedule than, than UGA. And that's not a slight at them. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's it, their their schedule sets up better than anyone else's. Yeah. Well, I do think they are going to be tested though at the same time. Like I, I think that the, those opportunities will be there, and I think they're testing against Notre Dame. I think they'll be testing against Florida. I think they'll be tested against oh, Auburn. Well, sorry, I brought it up. It's my main point. So, <laughs> um, and the last thing I would say about them is the uh, is discipline because it is a young team and it's something can get fixed up. But like, and, and keep in mind, I was having a hard time trying to find like things that could be bad. But like. So they're ranked 13th in the SEC in penalties per game. The only reason that's concerning is because they were ranked first with the fewest last year. So, Okay. I like those. Those are all good. I have a question, though. So this segment was supposed to be one concern for each contender. Oh. I think you've got four for each contender. That's okay. That's okay. Let's, let's get it all out there. you got hate in your heart. Let it out. Auburn. It's the loss of Booby Whitlow. As we found out on Tuesday, he's going to be out four to six weeks with a knee injury. That could mean he's out for the Georgia game, possibly the Bama game. That's not ideal. He was off to a great start. He was looking like the next Auburn 1,000-yard rusher, like he was going to get that streak going again. He was on pace for 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. He was ninth among Power 5 running backs from rushing so far. And I say this not that that Cam Martin is – I know. Isn't that amazing? He's he's been off to a really, really good start. I'm not saying that I – that I don't believe in Cam Martin. I think he's a different type of back than Booby Whitlow. I think he's smaller. Yeah. I don't think the volume is going to be at the level that they need it to be at. When we're talking about this offense where Bo Nix needs that, that, that back that he can turn to and say, here, 20 times a game, I, I still need to be able to rely on you. Yeah, and the offense is predicated off that. It, it really is. And I wonder if they can run the same type of offense with Cam Martin. So that's that's my concern right now because I think defensively they, they still look really good. Yeah. I still have so much confidence in that defensive line. And I do think Bonix is going to get better. I mean, he's going to have some tough moments. But I they're think that that could... turnovers every game. Yeah, they're not going to. But, I mean, if they face elite defense like Florida, you never know. You never know. Um is, Cam, is this the same Cam from last year? Yeah, Cam Cam Martin, Jalen Hurts is good with buddy. A K? A Cam with a K, of course. You know it. Oh my god, he's been there since like the eighties. Goodness. Um, okay, for Florida, I said. Okay, I'll just I'll I'll skip saying the saying healthy thing, but um, too many mistakes and turnovers. I, I bragged on them earlier, saying they had like they lead the country in takeaways with seventeen. You know they're dead last in the SEC in turnovers with thirteen. Really. That is not that is the definition of one foot forward and and one fumble back or mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't understand cliches but um, they got away with it at home against Auburn against a freshman quarterback that's not going to fly against LSU Georgia they and they get LSU Georgia and Mizzou back to back to back yikes 
Gee. No, that's I'm way off. On no, that. it's that's it's three of four. Yeah. It's three of four. Yeah, it's, it's, there's there's literally a game sandwich in between all, each of those, so that's my fault. Three of four right. top ten teams. And, yeah, in yeah. a four week stretch, they face uh, three top ten teams. Four four game stretch, whatever you want to call it. All right, LSU. I believe in the LSU passing game. I really, really do. I'm 100% on board with this new offense, but there is some regression that's coming. I'm so glad you put this in here. Just because, and and I understand that LSU is a reason for this stat. LSU and the numbers that it's put up, there's a reason that these teams are in this position. But the ranks of the opposing pass defenses that they have faced so far, Georgia Southern, 102. Texas, 126. Vandy, 118. Utah State, 114. Yes, LSU fans, I hear you loud and clear. When you face Joe Burrow in this passing offense, of course those teams are right. going to take a major hit. They have not been good outside of that. Here's the thing, though. LSU, those good pass defenses are coming. They, they are definitely coming. Yeah. Florida, top 20 in pass defense. Bama, 30th. Uh, A&M is 31. Ole Miss is the only remaining opponent on that schedule with a bottom 30 pass defense. Now, I don't think the LSU offense is all of a sudden just going to crawl into a shell and be what it was in years yeah. past. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that LSU has become so accustomed to this passing game fueling everything, really right. everything. And if it's, this defense does not continue to step up and play like it did against Utah State, that's not the best sign moving forward. They can't necessarily just sit there and rely on the passing game to bail them out. That's I know it's nitpicking. But that's that's the no, one that's concern what, that's I have. Championships, like yeah. like it is, it's the small things. Like you watch Bama last year go fourteen and zero and be called like the greatest team ever, and then it's like, yep. you, know, you see these like little flaws. Like if, if they if they get pushed around up front, you know. And again, a lot of this has to do with the fact that like Joe Burrow is so so great, and what they were able to do at Texas says a lot about this team. And and I, I, they've been challenged. I I would have the same concerns. I would I would think. To be honest, so it's just um, and it's just because the other those defenses have just been so bad. Otherwise, right. I mean, it's not just we we now have enough of a sample size. Teams have played between five or six games. When yeah. you're in the midway point of the season, it's not like just oh they've only played three games. Of course, one right. bad game is going to just determine how they rank in passing defense. Right. Well, you know, you know, it's not going to happen for Bama against LSU and Georgia and teams like that or Auburn. They're not going to be able to run like the RPO and just hit. Any of the receivers on a slant that goes 80 yards. That's probably not going to happen like, right not. off the bat. Um, anyway, so last for me in the uh, in the East, we have Mizzou. I don't know why I laugh. I feel bad for, for that. but yeah, That was hurtful for Mizzou fans. They've honestly, we'll talk about this when we do the picks. Their, their numbers since they lost to Wyoming have been outstanding. But losing Kale Garrett, anything if anything happens to Kelly Bryant, is, is there any confidence in you? Like, Do you have any confidence in this team to, to finish... Not with nine wins, zilch. Yeah, I mean, so this. I feel like this is a very fragile season, and you know what? At some point, they're going to have to stop playing games at home and actually get on the road and travel. Oh yeah, that's coming. That's coming this week. So so no, it's not coming this week. It's mm. coming next week. So soon enough. What a start to the year for them to get like six straight home games or five straight home. It's ridiculous. It's very very nice. Well, when you start in in Wyoming in Laramie, I think that's fair. That's the college football god's way of saying, oh yeah, we're gonna give you throw you a little bone here, let you stay at home for the first month and a half of the season. Okay, we've got picks, we've got over unders, we've got our friends at my bookie, Marlon, Uncle Chris. Tell us about our friends over at my bookie. Guys, big news. yeah, I have two gambling accounts now. Well, we can talk about it. It's fine. There's a lot of stuff you can do with two gambling accounts, and I've been doing all of the things. So you don't have to have two. You can have just one. Um, go to mybookie.ag, sign up today, use the promo code SCS, and they will double your initial deposit. 
So, I mean, if you want to put in like a hundred bucks, that's two hundred dollars. So that's three hundred total. Yep. That's right. So um, make sure you head over to mybookie.com/ag uh, before this weekend, especially with how many great games are going to be on this weekend. And plus, it's October. We're a college football podcast, but this month it's almost like the March of the fall, or maybe it's April when you have like. All the sports, like hockey's back, uh, basketball's back. Yeah, I made a live bet on the WNBA last night. What of it? Um, So make sure you don't have to do that as well. But make sure you are going to mybookie.ag. And the other big news is, now that we're back with MyBookie, we're going to start the Saturday morning Facebook Lives again. Oh, All things gambling. Nice. We had a couple of requests from the Facebook group um, to kind of teach them. I don't know. I guess they just want to dabble with being a degenerate. And I'm fine with helping out with that. So thanks a lot to MyBookie. That was... Very, I, I, that was so timely, so topical. Now that we're getting in the mid-season mode, Uncle Chris is going to be in mid-season Saturday morning mode. I'm excited for yeah. that. Excellent. South Carolina, UGA, Georgia is a 24-point favorite. 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Oh, that's, they got the hook. No, that's the a, reason why it's important, I'll tell you right now, Connor. Do you, have, do you know how many times that Georgia has beaten South Carolina? In the last 40 years, by more than 25 points. 25 or more. Hmm. Three. Once. When was it? Uh, it was in, it was like, it was like 2015. Okay. So within my recent memory, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think at the same time though, how many times has South Carolina been starting a true freshman quarterback against yeah. this Georgia team and that Georgia defense, which is the only defense in the country that has not allowed a rushing touchdown yet? Well, yeah, not we ideal. Just, we don't have to build up the game at all. It's going to be awful, I guess. Um, I'm not not saying that. Not saying that South Carolina can't cover. We've seen Ryan Holinsky rise to the occasion. He looked good against Alabama. Why can't he put up some numbers? Have a little backdoor cover against Georgia? Is that what you're? Off? Is that what you're taking? Um, I'm not. I'm taking Georgia. I, I, I would buy. Sorry. I'm going to buy a point to feel comfortable with it. You're taking him too. Yeah. Sorry. Damn it. Um. There's so many reasons not to take them. No, no, playing at home, playing at home. USC is six and one in the last two years as an away underdog. They're eight and two in their against the spread in their last ten road games. Don't care. You know, you know how many points? By the way, I did all the math on this in the last three years or last two years since 2017. Do you know what the average margin of victory is for Georgia against SEC East teams? I feel like I've rattled off this stat before, but I'm going to say 27. It's exactly 25. So, okay, Vegas so knows. Vegas did a really good job of this one. Um, I, I will say, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take UGA just because it's at, it's at home and I don't know South Carolina they've got a lot of deficiencies, man. I, they look great against Kentucky, but what does that mean? Sneaky good matchup that South Carolina defensive line against Georgia's offensive line. Yeah. Could be, that. that could be a little bit interesting. Could be yeah. a little bit close early on, but Georgia just too much. Just wears on South Carolina. That's Mizzou what I held held them to 16 total yards rushing. Oh, Oof. yeah. So yeah. anyway, not ideal. Um, how many mentions of the Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart were former Georgia teammates references? Will we get in this one? I set the over under at 2.5. Yeah, with it's going to be over by a thousand. Just, I mean ridiculous amounts. But I, I mean, I wish I would have remembered that, like, I wish I would have known when I was, like, nine that those two that were like, playing safety for UGA were going to, like, actually end up being people I had to care about. 
that that's going to be the the well, you know when you get the picture when everything else is dark and, and then just their their spot in the picture is is bright and oh dark. yeah lit up yeah yeah I, we're course, definitely gonna yeah. get a couple of those for sure and it's it's rare that you get to see that especially because they have they both have stupid haircuts and they mm-hmm. were even more stupid back then so that's amazing because you don't look that doesn't look like a haircut that's developed over time but they, slowly it it's just morphed yeah. into that they've just kept kept cutting it themselves so Will Muschamp, Will Muschamp can definitely afford a, a barber, as we know from his lake house. But That's fair. Yeah, personal barber. I think they have one of those at that New South Carolina facility, don't they? They do. Yeah. They do. All right, get on it. UNLV and Vandy, the game of the week in the SEC. My gosh. Ugh. Vandy is a 14.5-point favorite against an FBS team, which shows you how bad UNLV has been. UNLV, a 14 and a half. Why? Because uh, UNLV has lost four in a row. I don't think they've scored 20 points during that streak. As bad as the Vandy defense has been, ugh, can you take Vandy to cover? This is the worst. Like I remember, so Bayer said something about this about how like you just you never want to bet on like a, a very average to below average team when they have that many points. And he said like seven points. So I don't feel like really confident in this. Um, both of these defenses ranked 114th or worse in total mm. defense. Uh, ranked 100 and UNLV is ranked 117th in rushing defense. Which, I, maybe that's that's the difference maker, and like, and Keyshawn Vaughn can go off or something like that. Um, this does have backdoor cover written all over because they they have lost four games in a row by a hundred and three combined points, and but they are also five and zero against the spread as a road under a road underdog against Power Five teams. Larry Johnson going to suit up for UNLV? No, I, I mean I don't know if it would matter. And honestly, if he did, I don't think anyone would even notice because nobody wants to watch this game. That's. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I can't take I can't take Vandy to cover fourteen and a half at this point. It's just not not something that I can get behind. I need to see more from that offense and, well, and that defense. That defense is just yeah. god awful this year. I'm gonna okay. take Vandy to cover and hate myself for it. Uh, you you said it's got backdoor cover written all over it. I want to see UNLV down. I want to see UNLV down sixteen go for two and cover yeah. in this game. Oh, just oh my god! I can't oh, imagine what my reaction that would be. Oh, we would need to get video of that. All right. Jared Pinckney catches E. I set the over-under at four. Keep in mind that in his last two games, he has two catches for eight yards. Combined. What happened? They're not what else could they be him. doing on offense? They've, well, Kalajah Lipscomb has been getting his targets. Riley Neal struggling to get the ball, the ball to the tight end. They've really yeah. just struggled to move the ball at all offensively. It's been a complete and total disaster. <sighs> they... the, the one thing, so his his season high in catches is four, and it was against it was against LSU when the offense finally got rolling. It's probably a sign that maybe you should give the ball to your tight end when you actually yeah. had a good offensive game. But can you take over four? No, I I mean like you know why It's because you brought it up best like the the Riley Neal thing when he drops back it looks like a scene from the Water Boy when it's like whatever quarterback would drop back and then all of a sudden Bobby Boucher is just coming free and he's just running for his life. Ah! Like every, yeah, There it is. Every single play. Nothing ever seems like it's going according to plan. Like that's not how they drew it up. What a sad sentence. What a sad yeah. sentence. And that's all we're going to talk about Vandy today, kids. <laughs> Mississippi State is a six and a half point favorite on the road in Knoxville. <sighs> Rocky Top going to be rocking for this one. Eh, it's a noon kickoff. I don't know about that. Are you taking the fighting Joe Moorheads to cover? Okay, I want you to I want you to go first on this one because I, I want to hear your your thoughts. I am taking Tennessee to cover in this one. I'm going to continue you? to bet on the Vols. A couple reasons here: the Brian Maurer 
signs of life that we saw early on, I think is somewhat promising. I think okay. against a Mississippi State defense that has had issues this year, I think that he can have he can have a couple of moments in this game to at least keep them close. I am still going to take Mississippi State to win this game outright, but I do think it will be close. And I do think that after kind of the the, the humbling experience of going against a team like Georgia where you see how athletic they are, I think they'll fare a little bit better against Mississippi State, yeah. but I still think Kylan Hill is going to be able to have a big day. Oh, Don't yeah. know who's starting a quarterback for Mississippi State just yet, but... I would still tend to think that whoever starts at Mississippi State is going to be able to win a game on the road, probably. Uh, yeah, this line, like, you know, honestly, usually when like the, the lines first come out, there's like immediately like four or five. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I like that. This was a really tough week. Um, I don't think that it really matters who plays quarterback for either team, honestly, but for Mississippi State because Kylan Hill just get him the ball. This Tennessee defense is ranked 12th in the SEC in, in rushing defense. Um, and then you talk about trying to cover the spread. Just win a ball game for me, guys. I think the under in the first half, by the way, at 26 and a half seems like Ooh. a good play. Because, ten, I mean, I, I don't want to have like the recency bias or like let that factor in why we think Tennessee's like turned a corner. Because it, it was basically for 16 minutes of, of game time. True. You know what I mean? True. So if you look at their, their, uh, their season so far, they've scored one total touchdown in the second half of games this year great adjustments like, being made yeah and it's uh, that's only against fbs teams so not including chattanooga but that one touchdown connor just one do you know who it was against uh, that was against georgia state with two seconds to go in the game so i oh. think mississippi state pulls away in this game uh tennessee is like two and 14 uh in their last 16 games against the sec also they're one and four in their last five games uh following georgia after the game against Georgia. So they might get a little of that, that Georgia fatigue. Bob Shoup revenge game as well. People might forget about that. <laughs> Nobody's going to bring that up. Bob Shoup flex game. <laughs> the, the words true freshman are said in this game. I set the over-under at 12.5, thinking that if Garrett Schrader's starting, Brian Maurer's going to be starting in this game. A lot of youth over there on the Tennessee side of the ball. Who's on the broadcast? That's a good question. If it's if it's new, CJ Shockley, it's it's uh, it, this will go over by twenty. Yeah, yeah, he probably is on the call. He probably yeah. is on the call. It's Timmer Stinchcomb. Um, I, I would still take the over. That's a good line. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of true freshman references will be said, especially if it's two true freshmen starting at quarterback. Alabama, Texas A and M. Bama is only a 17-point favorite. I guess that just kind of teased where I'm going with this one. Yeah, this line was lower in the offseason has climbed a bit because we actually have uh, proof that AM is not exactly the team that we thought it was going to be. Bama is playing at a ridiculously high level on the offensive side of the ball. Even on the road, Bama, 17-point favorite. Marler, you going to hedge? You're going to roll with the tide. Let me hedge. We're talking about hedge. Yeah, hedging is saying that AM is going to cover. And saying oh, no, absolutely close. not. I think Bama's going to cover. This, this is weird, though, because when you look at these, like the last six years, Bama's won this game six years in a row ever since that miserable debacle when I was hung over AF in Nashville. Ugh, the Johnny Manziel game. Anyway. Oh, yeah. The six straight the six straight wins. So, A&M is uh, somehow they're 0 and 6 or they're 0 and 5 coming off a bye week in their last 5 games. That's not so good. A, no, it's not good. But in the in the six straight wins, three of them have been at home, obviously three have been on the road. The wins at home from Bama have been by an average of 33 points. The wins on the road have been by 11. Remember a couple of years ago, really struggled to distance, yeah, distance themselves, and that team was that was not I good. Mean, 
Yeah, that, that, that game was a little bit like, oh, Calamon, not that bad. Not yeah. that bad. So um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. But I also think that just from having the week off for Bama and getting to refocus and get a little bit healthier. There and like is. I said, getting, getting like, th- that was a perfect way to go into the off week of that backdoor cover. You getting just the, the ball ran all over you for 276 yards against Ole Miss. I think that defense is going to come out pissed and they're going to cover. Also, the first half line is, is my lock of the week. We'll talk about which, it. Which is, oh, it's Nine and a half. Okay, all right. We will save that as well for lock of the week. Yeah, I think Bama covers in this one. And I think AM, what it can't do, cannot run the football right now. No. That'd be the place to get Bama. That would be the place to go after them and attack. I think that Kalamon has put in too many tough spots in this game against the Bama secondary. That is looking very good right now. Yeah. I will say, though, AM's pass defense, I criticized it a lot last year. Mike Elko's pass defense has, has yeah. been much better. They're a top 30 unit this year. I They're pretty maybe, good up front. Yeah, pretty good up front. I, I don't think that this is going to be a game that Bama necessarily rolls, you know. 50 to 14 or something right. like that but i think i think bama wins comfortably and i think they cover that spread limited snaps for Tua down the stretch well, yeah a&m having the 97th ranked rushing offense is not, not that's ideal. not a great matchup not ideal saban against another one of his former assistants don't you know it it's not a week it seems like every two weeks in the sec that he faces a, a one of his we former get assistants. It. yeah we we get it how many times in this game will we get the Saban versus Disciples stat, which, by the way, 17-0 against his former assistants? I set the over-under at 1.5. So this, you should have used the one you had for the freshman for this one, 12 and a half. You're, mm. you're automatically going to get it because it's on CBS. So in the opening, they're going to do that same stupid picture from LSU when it's like Jimbo and Kirby and Highlight Dattuli the guys and, in there, yep. Exactly. Um so that's one, and then yeah, they'll at the end of the yeah, just hands down. If A and M somehow wins this game, oh man, can you imagine how many times they're gonna say it? Yeah, I was kind of not really betting on the odds of that happening, considering sure. you know last last loss to a non top fifteen team for Alabama, our boy Stephen Garcia back in twenty ten. I don't know why that's he right. to me, but just throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. Ole Miss and Mizzou. Mizzou is a twelve point favorite. We talked a lot about Mizzou with Adam Spencer. Ole Miss. On the road, give me that twelve points, man. Give me yep. that twelve points. That run off, that 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 new look, run heavy offense with John Rice Plumley, who as of right now we don't know definitively who's starting in that game, but I think he's gonna have a role in that game. I like what this offense is doing. I think Ole Miss has has figured out some things in terms of stopping the run themselves. I think they keep this one somewhat close, and if Kelly Bryant is somewhat limited, coming back from that injury. I think that there's a, a chance that Ole Miss can be able to, to hang around, not necessarily win, but at least make it interesting in Como. What say you? I think this is, like, low-key the most interesting matchup of the entire week. Like, obviously, LSU Florida is going to get all the, the publicity, but this is this is such an interesting matchup. Because I, I when I first saw it, I was like, I feel like Ole Miss could win this game, especially if Kelly Bryant is, is injured at all, and it's a 12-point spread. So... Yeah, Mizzou, like, both of these teams have, have really, really started playing well after their opening game. So, like, after the Memphis loss, Ole Miss, they're on offense, they're averaging over 30 points a game and 491 yards per game in the last their last four or five games. A lot rushing, too, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, on the other side of that, Mizzou, after their loss to Wyoming, which is still a sentence I didn't think I'd ever have to say, their defense is giving up under eight points a game and 186 total yards per game as well. And I know the competition has been great, but remember when they had this game against West Virginia, and it was like, that line seems yeah, playing, pretty high. Playing at a different like, level. Yeah, and like they had the line, the same thing against uh, against Carolina. We just saw Carolina play against Bama and look pretty good. 
and then all of a sudden it's like a double digit line against uh, at Mizzou. That that stadium, I hate to say it, just it seems like a, just one giant nap. It's, it's never sunny there. It, it seems like a like a, a place like where dreams go to die a little bit. So I'm going to take Mizzou to cover because I feel like Vegas knows something I don't. Okay, fair enough. Kelly Bryant rushing yards in this game. I set the over-under at 20. Obviously, he's coming off of the, yeah. the the knee injury last week, and he's expected to be able to go for this one. But Kelly Bryant had more than 20 rushing yards against an Ole Miss defense that hasn't been bad and has actually been better than what we've seen in, in years past. Yeah. Um, how many is he averaging per game? He had 20 last game. He's had two games with 20 this year. I think he's only oh. had one game. Is, is that right? He's only had one game with more than 20 so far. That could be wrong. Don't don't quote me on that stat. Um, I, I'll say under because I don't think they're going to try to make him do that. And plus, you have Roundtree. And, you know. This is true. This is true. Arkansas, Kentucky. Somebody's got to win an SEC game, right? We think. We hope. Right. Maybe. I don't Man. know. Kentucky is a six-and-a-half-point favorite as of right now. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for Kentucky, but hey, why not make them a touchdown favorite? Both of these teams are coming off of bye weeks. Marler, I know you've got some fire takes in this game. I do. I, I do. I'm taking Arkansas straight up. I'm taking them to win outright in, in Lexington. and I Oh, to, oh, to win outright? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Um, I, like, I, I have zero faith in either of these teams. I do, like... If there's one positive that either of these teams could like hang their head on, it's Kentucky playing at home. They've looked a lot better at home than they have on the road. But ever since they blew that lead to Florida, they have not looked like the same team that we saw, obviously, from last year or even the beginning of this year. And, you know, I, I, Chad Morris and all those Red Bulls, I think he's like he's finally starting to get the team to believe in a little bit because they're, they're so young. I, Kentucky is so bad on offense. They are so bad. They're averaging like twenty less than 24 points a game. I, I, I'm going to take, you know, their third down conversions that they're allowing opponents to, to um, they're allowing opponents on third down to complete 44% of conversions. I said that terribly wrong, but you know what I mean? I'm more confused now than when, before yeah. you started that sentence. The other yeah. team's getting a first down 44% of the time. That seems every bad. Every time. Yeah. That seems bad. Pro Football Focus did a ranking of all 130 FBS quarterbacks. Sawyer Smith, dead last. He has not been healthy. He's got shoulder injury, ankle injury, knee injury. Everything's banged up. He's like Ben Roethlisberger, essentially. But we don't... Well, that's not a comparison. I just mean from an injury standpoint, not from an off-field standpoint. We'll leave it at that. We don't know who's starting a quarterback for Kentucky. Ah, I got to take Arkansas to cover in this one. I'm going to wait and see in terms of if I even have Kentucky winning this game because... I do think that against the what? Arkansas defense, you can be a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait and see. I might have Arkansas. I might have Arkansas. What are you gonna outright. wait Not, and see? Uh, no, I have Arkansas covering. But when okay. we do our, our score predictions, I'm saying okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on that. But for now, I'm picking Arkansas to cover in this game. Um, I, I will say that uh, also when you when you look at that, like going back to that Florida debacle, ever since like that fourth quarter, the start of that fourth quarter when they blew that lead at Florida, they've given up at least one touchdown in seven of nine quarters and they've only scored in i think they've been blanked in like five of the of nine for them you know it's what check good. that K- kentucky at home at night kentucky's at gonna night. be able to win <laughs> nobody gets out of kroger field nobody walks into kroger field <laughs> nobody does that at night the over under for this game is your boy lynn bowden pass Ooh. attempts there's a chance that the former high school quarterback gets back there and throws a couple passes for the cats which he's done this year 
sometimes successfully, sometimes not. He's got a couple yeah. picks, but whatever. It happens in the it's best it. of us. I set the over-under at Lynn Bowden passing attempts at 4.5. I Dude, so what I want to happen is for me to be wrong and to have Kentucky win this game and have, like, Lynn Bowden go off at quarterback. 300 passing yards. Yes. I mean, just <laughs> hands down, be, like, the best quarterback ever. Um, I, I'm going to say over because I, I feel like at this point, Sawyer Smith's been so bad that it, it makes sense just to, like, Real have bad. your he, – he, this. Lynn Bowden is their best player on offense or defense. But the problem is then you take him out of the receiving game. Can he throw to himself? He can is throw to cheating? himself. He can do anything. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll let that happen. I'll, I'll be okay with that. In, in a game like this, if you want to get us to watch, let Lynn Bowden throw to himself. That's how you're going to get people to watch yeah, this game. Yeah, I agree with that. The big one, Florida, LSU. LSU's a 13.5-point favorite in this one. I think we've kind of danced around it a little bit. I think I know what way you're leaning on this game. We've talked about the the matchup up front, how we think that the LSU offense against the Florida defense, as good of a matchup as we've seen so far in college football this year, who you're taking in this game is probably what's going to determine who you think is going to win that matchup. So, Marler, are you taking the Gators to cover a very, very big spread on the road? Yeah, I am. I am. I, and if, so. if I was, I would, I would buy a point just to get it to 14 and a half because that is a... Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a concerning line that, that like, obviously Vegas came, like, opened with it. Um, but, again, going back to Muschamp's record against LSU, what he's been able to do against Dave Aranda defenses, I understand how great this LSU offense has been. This defense for Florida has been – and if they're even healthier and Zuniga's back, like, I think that's going to pose a lot of issues. And this is a stat you brought up last week. Florida has the the number, I guess, the highest scoring margin in fourth quarter uh, in fourth quarter games at best fourth quarter all, team. Yep, yeah, in the entire country, and they've they have not given up a point in the fourth quarter in their last five games. A that's point, good. yeah, that's pretty good. This so. will obviously be a different kind of test. I'm going to take Florida to cover the spread. I'm going to take LSU to win outright in this game. I think it stays pretty close, which actually bodes pretty well for Florida considering yeah. the games that they've had to play in, which have been a little bit tighter than, than what LSU has had to. Obviously, they went on the road and played in what was a close game against Texas, but not necessarily a down-to-the-wire right. you know, two-minute drive at the very end to be able to win the game. I think that LSU is still going to win this game. And yeah. I think that just what this team has been able to present from an offensive standpoint is just so, so tough to, to, to be able to handle for defense even one as good as Florida's. I think Florida will slow them down somewhat, but to slow them down for 60 minutes, for 60 minutes coming Dude, off that Auburn game, that's going to be super, super difficult. You better hope that, what, like, the stuff that Florida did in this last game, and, and they, you know, hats off to them, they won it against a top-10 team. But if you turn the ball the ball over four times, you can't give the ball to Joe Burrow. You can give the ball to Bo Nix, a true freshman like on the road, you cannot give it to Joe Burrow at home. Also, we should have said this earlier, the Auburn the Auburn running back situation, just put Derrick Brown back there. Oh, that's, yes. I mean, yeah, yes. That's, that's so simple. Yeah, they got a bye week to be able to, be able to put in some sort of package with him. Um, we yeah, call him it, and the other guy. What's the other guy's name? Marlon Davidson. Like, let them just run the Wildcat. And, like, Nick they'll Cole. Be Felix. Yeah, I'm in for that. Yeah. Um, what's the, the sandwich in Knoxville called? It's, or not Knoxville, but the, the Kentucky sandwich, the hot brown. Get it for... Derek Brown, call it the hot brown package. Is that I good? I don't. That's it's it's something. It's a southern delicacy. I know it. People, people <laughs> in Kentucky, they know. They know. All right. The over under is Joe Burrow passing touchdowns. I said the over under. The over under is at three. Florida has allowed four passing touchdowns all year. Joe Burrow has not had less than three in a game yet. Uh, so is here's the gonna deal. be that time. They're not going to run the football in Florida. They barely run the football at all. 
Yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not necessarily a 25-carry type of back, yeah. and they have they have versatility in the backfield, but that's just not what their offense has become. That's right. fair. It's, it's, I, I think it's kind of one of the situations that we've talked about, like with Bama, is like, this is the offense now. Like, you get inside the 10-yard line, or it's, you know, first and goal from the five, like, you're throwing fade routes and like to any of those great receivers. So, that being said, I think they're going to score at least three touchdowns, and I would, I would venture to say that, you know, if they get four or five, Joe Burrow is going to be responsible for three of them. So I'll I take think the that's over. fair. The the battle that we haven't actually talked about in this game it's not it's not a battle because they're not on the field at the same time. But I just kind of thinking about this: how much is Joe Burrow going to test C.J. Henderson? And this one is an mm-hmm. interesting interesting te- test as well. Also, how much is Kyle Trask going to test the true freshman, Derek Stingley? I don't think he the, should, anyone should test him. That's that seems like a bad idea. Both of those <laughs> cornerbacks. They could be the two the two first team uh, all yeah. SEC cornerbacks at season's end. I would not be surprised at this point. Locks of the week, Uncle Chris. Do you want us? Do you want me to start, or do you want to go with your your five? You've already released one of them. You you're making me nervous. You start because that's just you know out of out of good luck okay. as we did last week. Um. Okay. I I did not brag about myself as much last week as I could have. You should, have. but. I, I probably should have because Cal, as I said, covered 18 against Oregon. Looked really good for most of that game. And, yeah, Oregon still won that game, I think, by 10 or by 14, whatever it was. But Cal, Cal covering was never in doubt for that game. They were winning, I think, at halftime. Just very, very impressive. Oh, we got an announcement in the background going out? Yeah, they, we have an alarm going off. It's, oh, an They're alarm. apologizing for the alarm, saying it's unreal. Anyway, no, it's, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, that's you, you, you killed it. Four and one, my locks of the week. So I say this one, I'm not quite as confident, but I'm still going to make it my lock of the week. I'm still going with okay. it because there's something about Iowa playing at night oh, yeah. that you just got to roll with. And I understand Penn State has looked really good so far, but I am going to take Iowa. I was getting four and a half points at home against Penn State. I'm going to take Iowa to cover in this game. And I understand that Penn State little bit worried right now after all the midweek stuff about that letter that was sent from an old Penn State alum. If you have not seen that yet, the letter sent to Jonathan Sutherland, a Penn State player with dreadlocks, basically this this old old Penn State grad saying, your hair is disgusting. How do you ever leave your house? Blah, blah, blah. You should be clean cut. Shame on you. And then he doubled down on it. Then he doubled down. Hey, by the way, it's worse than you guys actually thought I was. It's even even worse. Penn State's going to have a little little bit extra juice, I think, for this one. Having said that, Iowa... At night, they get up for those games. They just got embarrassed last week against Michigan, too. They're going to hear all week about how, how awful their offense is. This would be the most Nate Stanley thing ever to be able to bounce back from a game like this and all of a sudden look really, really good. So Iowa is my lock of the week at plus four and a half. So didn't they win this game by only two points? They needed like a last-second touchdown in 2017? They had they the past. Like they had the pass to Juwan Johnson, a game in which Saquon Barkley had like over 300 yards from scrimmage yeah. and had they that hurdle somebody. Hurdle. Like, yeah, like, one of the best the hurdles ever. Over, he just was like standing upright. And he was like, "I got this." Yeah, yeah, unbelievable game. It was uh, it was a um, Herbie and Fowler on the call for yeah. it. It was a, it was a walk off touchdown at, at the very end. Incredible, incredible play. But I, I, I think this one could go down to the wire. But give, give me the Hawks, man. That was the same night as Kentucky, Florida. Oh, it was, that was wasn't that it? That was, that was yes. the first day I think me and Allie watched like a football together, um, and she somehow stayed with me. But I, I like this. only reason I was nervous is because you've been killing like the big spreads. I know, I know, I know, and I this know. Is, this is and a tighter window. Okay, so Connor, the very responsible and disciplined gambler, um, who's and also 80% on his locks of the week, y'all. Like 80%. And most of those teams almost won outright. Cal was up 7-0 at the half. 
Yeah, could have won. Could have won. I I went more of like a shotgun shell type of uh, like guessing game. <laughs> just throw as much as out there as possible and just go from there. So I've got Army money line. Um, I've also this is unreal. I got the Wake money line, which you can wait. Get. Who's Army face? Who's Army face? Western Kentucky on the road. Oh, Hilltopper story of a hurl. How do you not I mean, even bring that up? They, they were the ones for responsible for UAB and my, my lock that week, and they beat mm. them outright. But um, I'll take Army to beat – I mean, Western Kentucky's really bad. I don't even know what to say about I – can't, I can't hear the, the, they're, the alarm they're, on my end from you. I apologize, okay. guys. Um, they're apologizing for the alarm that went off that didn't go off to let you know that it was not a real alarm. Anyway, I'm also going to take the Wake Money line because even though they're a six-point favorite, you can get this at like 230 which I think is great odds. They're playing Louisville at home. I, I love that. This, I think this Wake team is very underrated. And Louisville had like a, a very difficult and emotional victory last week in Boston College. So those two. Then I'm going to take, this is this is my favorite one of the week, FAU, minus 10. Against Ride the lane State. train. Let's That's right. Um, Middle Tennessee State has like one of the worst rushing defenses and I think total offenses. I don't know, whatever. I'm taking FAU. Notre Dame, minus 10. Yeah, get back on that that horse, Chris. Remember last year at the end of the year, I was like, this is the best pick of the entire year. Notre Dame minus 11 at USC, and they they won by 10. Um, I think they beat USC at home this year uh, handily. So I'm going to take them minus 10. And then Bama minus 9.5 first half. You love those. You're not doing an Ohio State first half. They're not playing. I was heartbroken. (laughs) That was a true question. (laughs) I thought I was going to talk you into betting a line that didn't exist. If I could, I would definitely do it. How many people will Ohio State know? You guys are going to be watching football on Saturday for Ohio State. We had a great interview that we recorded with Adam Spencer. Oh, now I hear the alarm going off. Apologies for everybody who has to to listen to that. Marlon will be in a home very, very soon in which he will not have to deal with random alarms. You're in the process of moving right now. So that's good. Our interview with Adam Spencer was fantastic. We got to talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different Mizzou things, some kind of big picture stuff that we talked about with the fan base and and just kind of hot dogs and all all good things with Adam Spencer. (laughs) Didn't bring up corgis, by the way. I know. That was was a missed opportunity. Very surprising. I didn't want to wake up, Queso. (laughs) Let's kick it to our interview with Adam Spencer. We're now excited to be joined by our dear friend. It's Adam Spencer. Adam, uh, on a scale of one to Marler after the kick six, how upset were you after hearing that Kale Garrett was out for the year? Well, the, six, the kick six was pretty brutal, so I'll say an eight on that scale. Okay. Okay. Yikes. Um, Reasonable. So we, I might be kind of responsible for that because we finally gave him the love that he deserved, and then immediately after that, we find out that he's out for the year. So um, accept our apology on behalf of Mizzou fans. This is us apologizing to you all, saying that we didn't mean any harm. We really did not. Uh, if it wouldn't have been you guys, it would have been something else. You know, it's just life as a Mizzou fan. You know, as PJ Mo says, we're a bunch of pathetic losers. So. Okay, so speaking of that, so he is our other favorite resident Mizzou guest on this podcast, which we've talked about. He, he, he took some flack for saying that this week. He said Mizzou fans are the biggest group of self-loathing losers, say that ten times fast, that he's ever encountered. I, I'm going to give you this platform to explain to the world why you either are or you're not a self-loathing loser, just as it relates to you specifically. I think it just needs 
some context there, and I think he needs to get out more. Like, it's being a sports fan. Anytime something bad happens to your team, it's okay to be down. That's fine. After the kick six, I'm sure Alabama fans were kind of down for a while, too. After, you know, LSU lost to Alabama in the pick a year, you know, I'm sure they get down because they think it's just part of being a sports fan. Sometimes you're up when good things happen, but that doesn't mean that you can't be down. It doesn't make you a bad fan when you, like I wrote a column about Kale Garrett's injury. And in the comments, somebody was like, oh, no, like, we can't be down. It's next man up. That's how football works. It's like, yeah, that's how football works. But first of all, the, the next man up isn't as good as Kale Garrett. Otherwise, he would have been starting. And second of all, we can take it. it's, okay, it's okay to take a second to mourn the loss of a guy whose college career is now pretty much over probably because there's no way that the NCAA is going to do the right thing and give him a medical red shirt because this was his fifth game of the year, of course, not his fourth game. So it's okay to like be a little upset about the bad luck that the Tigers face. It doesn't make you a a self-loathing loser any more than any other fan base gets down when they suffer tough losses. So I just really thought that those were some strange comments from PJ, and I, I don't really get where he was coming from from that and you know i hope that since you know his most of his audience if not all of his audience is from the zoo fans that hope he like changes course on that and addresses those comments moving forward so we'll see blah 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 what a loser um <laughs> kidding I, I, do, I, I do think like defending tj a little bit i think that part of that was taken out of context because he said before that the sentence that was like there's a faction of the fan base where it's like not everybody, it's a faction of the people. Um, but apparently he got into it with them like the day before. So uh, regardless, before this season, I was in the group of people who thought that Mizzou would be undefeated when they got to Athens for the UGA game. After that Wyoming loss and being that we're only or we're already halfway through the season, what's changed in your mind about how the SEC East is going to shake out? Well, I, I think that Florida is a lot better than than I gave him credit for coming into the season, but. I mean, I think that right now Mizzou is easily the third best team in, in that division just based on what you've seen from the other teams and just some of the injuries. Like, that could have changed if Kelly Bryant's injury was more serious. But, you know, when you have a true freshman starting at South Carolina, you're going to take some lumps there, as he did against Mizzou. Uh, then you got whoever is going to end up playing quarterback at Kentucky. I mean, what a disaster that quarterback situation has turned into who knows who's going to be starting from for Tennessee moving forward I mean Brian Mauer looked all right in that game against Georgia but then at the end of the game there man that was scary to see him just collapse on the sideline and then have to be like held up by teammates so who knows if he's going to play and then you have Vanderbilt where Riley Neal hasn't looked anywhere close to as advertised so I don't know if he. What was he advertised as? Long. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, Kyle Shermer is coming in, but like, I don't think anybody expected him to be this bad. That's fair. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I, I think with with Mizzou, though, at the same time, you know, while a lot of those people who said in the preseason that Mizzou was going to get off to this great start, it was going to be kind of the anti-Mizzou as it relates to recent history. AP voters have been really slow to kind of come around to the idea of Mizzou as a top 25 team, 
mainly because of obviously the Wyoming loss. You lose to a group of five team and it matters a lot. And a lot of people probably thought the entire offseason, okay, this is who Mizzou's supposed to be. And then they're not that in the first game and you kind of move past it. I think with, with what their schedule has going forward, it's going to be interesting to see the way that AP voters view Mizzou moving forward. Would you have them in there right now? Or do you think this is something that's going to take a couple more weeks? It might not even happen until before the Georgia game. Um, yeah, I think that if they win this week, then they'll move into the top 25 because I think, you know, obviously if, if Alabama beats Texas A&M, then the Aggies drop out at 3-3, three and three, I think it would be. So well, you never know. You open. never know. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you, you never know. Three but losses. Like, assuming, assuming. <laughs> but there, and then you know who knows? There's so many ranked games this week. There's so many good games this week on the schedule that like it could be some chaos that we see this weekend. So I'm like I'm excited to see that. But then you also have you know Minnesota is a undefeated team and I think they're still unranked. So if they win again, then. Uh, they they certainly deserve a top twenty five spot too because a couple of those wins have come against Big Ten competition. So, you know, there's a lot of good teams out there, and that Mizzou loss to Wyoming is, I think, what AP voters are looking at as the like mitigating factor there, and that's still fair. This is a completely different team at the moment than the one that went to Wyoming and lost, but it's still under the Mizzou name, so you still have to own that loss, and that's what they're doing. That's why they're not in the top 25 right now. And I, but I do think move to 5-1, and one and that changes this coming week. Oh, so much self-loathing. Um, next question. <laughs> um, so you went, you went to Mizzou, and you live in California, and, and yet you still managed to stay on top of, like, literally everything with SDS. Um, from, you know, I don't understand time zones or square foot math, so uh, we're not going to get into that. But... What's been the best and worst part of becoming like acclimated to this crazy rabid SEC fan bases as someone who's not necessarily like immersed in it? Also, a very healthy move for you yeah. not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just find it interesting when people say that, you know, like, why are you covering the SEC from living in California? And it's just like, well, does living in a state make you knowledgeable about every subject? Like, Parlor, what's the state bird of Georgia? What's the state cash crop? Uh, the it's a pterodactyl. Okay, well, you got me on that one. But most people wouldn't know that the pterodactyl is the state bird of Georgia. Yeah, and I agree so with like that. that's like just living living in a living in a state doesn't give you knowledge inherently. So, yeah, I mean, I went to Mizzou. I graduated the year before, two years before they moved to the SEC, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to keep up with the team that I went to school with, and it's easy to just – I love college football, so it's, it's really nice to, you know, come at this without, like, knowing too much of the history of the SEC and just be able to, like, ever since I yeah. came on with the company, like, four, three and a half years ago, it's just been – I've been learning so much, and just I don't have any of these preconceived notions. Like, I didn't grow up rooting for Georgia, so I don't – have this unnatural hatred of Tennessee. So I would say I'm, in terms of things non-Mizzou, I'm very much open to anything that happens out there, you know, in the SEC world. And a lot of people who grew up in that are not necessarily willing to give any praise to their their rivals or anything like that. So I don't know. 
it's, you better watch your mouth. It is what it is, but. <laughs> All right, so speaking of where you live, out in Pac-12 country, out in California, sunshine's from California, um, I'll ask you a Pac-12 question. Better chance of happening, a Pac-12 team makes the playoff, or not one, not two, but three SEC teams make the playoff. Oh, definitely the three SEC teams. Boom. There is, so biased, Adam. There is somebody, there is somebody uh, who tweeted the other day. It was a joke, but they said, here's the latest projection from a, from a reliable source of how the Pac-12 will finish. And it had like six teams at five oh. and four in conference play <laughs> and six that. teams at four and five in conference play. <laughs> like, That's so spot on. That, that made me laugh. Um of course, it was a joke, but yeah, these teams are just beating up on each other. And you know, I live really close to Cal, and that defense is no joke. Like even yeah. they could beat Washington, which really hurt Washington's chances. And then they, you know, they gave Oregon a really good game, but Oregon's probably already out of it because of their loss on the big stage. That was Pac-12's best chance, and they had the lead. And then Auburn came storming back, and now. You know, we've seen some of the limitations of Auburn in that game against Florida. So now that loss isn't as good with in voters' eyes. So I, I don't know. It's just definitely the way that the SEC is going right now and the way that the Pac-12 is going right now, I would definitely say that the SEC has a better chance. It's not a good chance, but a better chance to get three teams into the playoffs than the Pac-12 has to even get one in at this point. Bama, LSU, Georgia, Utah. Boom. <laughs> Utah's back to 12, but that's okay. That's okay. We can we can have both scenarios play out then. That, that's yeah, that's, what, what, I was, that's what I was doing. I was combining oh, okay. a little mashup there. Um, gotcha. All right. If you had if you had to choose between Mizzou going 11 and 1, I was going to ask you about the bowl band, but I just I want you to have a good happy Wednesday. Yeah, um, that would be mean. Yeah, if you had to choose between Mizzou going 11 and 1 but not allowed to play in the postseason, or going like nine and three and having to go to like the Music City Bowl or Gator Bowl or something like that. Which one are you taking? Man, that's tough. No, I would love to this. beat Georgia and I would love to beat Florida again. So I would take eleven and one. I like that. That's a solid answer. Welcome to the SEC, Adam. That's the right <laughs> answer. You're going to be on probation at some point. That was like your initiation. Um, last but not yeah, least. Okay, that's fair. Go. Uh, what's your go-to tailgate food and booze for game day? Okay, so tailgate. So I'm on the record as saying that I like the noon kickoffs because it, it just leaves the rest of the night open to celebrate. So, like, I like just you know anything at tailgates in the morning. Like, I'm fine with cracking open a beer at nine in the morning for a tailgate. I'm fine with having like mimosas and stuff and you know hey that might be coming out here to you know a 6 a.m pac-12 tailgate and then <laughs> who knows but so I'm, I'm fine with whatever to drink i'll just drink a beer and then that's that's fine with me i don't need anything too fancy to drink tailgate food though now that's that's a different story I, you know you gotta have you gotta have a good hot dog with some regional toppings and stuff you know i i, I love a good Chicago dog. Suck it, Connor. Good, That's I fine. love a good, uh, <laughs> any sort of Southwest flavoring is good, but, you know, any sort of, like, I, 
I've never been down to Baton Rouge, but I would be really interested to see their take on it and how Ooh. they would, you know, that, so that would be really interesting. Um, and I know that they have other foods too, you know, more regionally appropriate, but you got to have hot dogs on the grill. That's just the one time that it's like socially appropriate to eat a hot dog. It's just at, outside before a football game. You don't get many opportunities Amen. like that. So, <laughs> Amen. Okay. So- Adam, you answered that question correctly, and I'm so glad you put that last caveat in there because I agree 100%. I think that at a tailgate scenario, a hot dog is perfect. Yeah. You're not buying it at a stadium and, and spending like $4 per bite on something. When you go to a tailgate, right. they've got a billion hot dogs, and you could just, oh, you, another hot dog? You want another hot dog? Sure. There's a million hot dogs that are being cooked. There's usually more hot dogs being cooked than burgers being cooked, so sure. it's actually a more efficient way to eat at a tailgate if you're eating hot dogs as opposed to a burger. I, 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 that, that needs to go in the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian or whatever it's called. Your answer was great. Fantastic. Well, the Chicago dogs, yeah. too. Connor, do you like Chicago dogs? I do like Chicago dogs. Okay. Of course I do. I feel like that's like yeah. a fancy-ass hot dog for a, for a tailgate. Like I, I, That would just be all over my shirt. But I like that answer. Yeah. No, it's not too fancy. Well, I mean, you got it's the it's celery the salt fun. in there. Yes, that's a rap song. Well <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, all right, last, last thing for you. This actually isn't a question, Adam. Um, I just wanted to tell you that Keyshawn Vaughn currently has 557 yards from scrimmage. Compared to 466 for Larry Roundtree, um, again, not a question, just a casual observation. Um, I guess my only question is, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are Larry Roundtree gets to play Ole Miss this weekend. Whoa, <laughs> Ole Miss has a running defense. I don't know if you've seen, but the Rebels put the clamps down and the ground game. They're bad passing defense, but run defense – Different story, my friend. He's got. He's going to run into a brick wall this weekend. You watch. It's the best we'll rivalry we'll in all sports. <laughs> all right, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have more updates on that. Uh, Adam, appreciate you coming on. Um, as soon as we find out about the Mizzou bowl band stuff, we'll maybe bring you and TJ Mo on. That way, it's one self-loathing loser, one non-self-loathing loser, and we can just kind of go from there. Does that sound good? <laughs> Well, we'll see how it goes. Because if they ban, if they uphold the ban, then I will definitely be in self-loathing loser mode. <laughs> over, real, real quick, over under December uh, December third until we hear uh, about a Mizzou bull ban scenario, bull ban lifted or, or not lifted. What do you think? Twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that pretty much that pretty much is it all. Adam, appreciate it as always. We'll do it again real soon, man. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Excellent. We'll talk soon. Appreciate Adam for coming on, settling the great hot dog debate of 2019. <laughs> We've got a full full load of fourth and wrong questions to get to. Marler, we're starting off with one that's a little bit yeah. a little bit out of the ordinary. I'll you be know honest. what? I- I'm going to use a quote my therapist used to say. It's, it's about to be an emotional bloodbath, guys. Strap in. Um, no, and, and it, we didn't want to – This was somebody reached out to us and, and asked to have this on as one of the questions. And uh, we've had him on here before, and he's a super nice guy. We're not going to say his name because of the nature of the, the question. But um, 
you know, we love you guys, so we're here to, to support any way we can. So there could the be question. other people. There could be other people experiencing something similar. So that's why we want to attack oh, yeah. questions in like this, this day and age. Yes, um, I have a very personal fourth and wrong. My wife has been having an affair for the last four months, and we're separating. She stepped all over our marriage with a hobnailed boot and broke my heart. How do I be single again? First off, sorry, dude. That is the worst. That's that is the absolute worst. That um, is that is a bummer. Yeah. To answer the question, how do I be single again? This is a great, great time for self-improvement. If you're going to try and get out there, no, you're going to try and get out there to the world again and, and you want to be able to take a look in the mirror and say, all right, what, what can I do better? This is a good time to be able to figure some things out. Self-improvement is not necessarily something that people do a lot of times when they are necessarily well. taken. Yeah, a lot of self-inventory. This is a great time to do it, whether that's getting in shape, being able to be a little bit more knowledgeable on, on a variety of subjects, just becoming a more well-rounded human being, yeah. this is a good time to do it, I think. And if you have the time to do it, I understand college football Saturdays are college football Saturdays. And during yeah. the week when you're not reading SDS, you're probably going to look for a couple things to do. Get out there. Be able to do, be, be comfortable going outside of your comfort zone, too. That's something that I don't think a lot of people really are because all of a sudden you're in a completely different space and you're probably in a comfort zone when you're, yeah. when you're taken. Get outside your comfort zone. Do some different things. Meet meet some meet some some women at pumpkin patches. I don't know what do they say okay, in Superbad. No, don't that's too much. Uh, <laughs> is they say in Superbad? Yeah, it's Superbad. They say oh, don't don't meet a woman at a bar. You got to go to like pumpkin oh, yeah, patches. Right. <laughs> um, that's such a good quote. Uh, yeah, I think that's good advice. So it's funny that you said like self improvement because. I mean, my first reaction to most adversity is self-destruction um, and, and just, you know, there's like two types of people I feel like that when something bad happens, it's like you either lean into it in a bad way um, for like a couple of weeks or like you said, it's like you, there's no better revenge than being successful. Boom. Just bottom line. Um, it And this sucks. Like, it's not easy. I hate cliches. Um you know, it's like everything will be better with time or like because what really sucks about this is like like me and Ali talk about this all the time. I hate when couples say like I'm marrying my best friend. Like, no, your best friend is the thing. He's the person that knows Preach. all the things that your wife is not allowed to know. Preach. But that's your best friend. Your best friend. Oh, anyway, um, your best friend could like literally ruin your marriage if he wanted to. That's that's what I would oh. assume a best friend would be. Yeah, my best friend um, do that, but that's all right. just because the knowledge they have of things. But right. regardless, like I spend most of my time with Allie, and and we joke around about that, like you know the whole best friend thing. If if that goes away, then it's like you you are kind of at a loss, like you know trying to get into just a normal routine again. So uh, yeah, it's like the self improvement thing. Like honestly, investing in yourself yes. is is what I would say. Like you don't have to go to the the, the gym. Don't listen to Connor on that. Go to the drink. Gym. Drink heavily at least once um, a week, mm. but then also like go on a trip. Like do something you always want to do that like maybe you couldn't before, but like. Do stuff that is investing into yourself and your happiness. Yeah, and when I say self improvement, it's not to say that oh, when you were with this person before, you like oh, they, yeah. they left you or they did this because you weren't good enough. That's not the case at all. It's figuring out ways where you can say, all right, how do I be able to? How how can I bounce back from something like this and be able to to come out a better person overall? Because what's what's self pity is not going to do a whole lot. Right. I mean, this you is be a zoo fan. Oh. Self-love. Well, I mean, no, you're, I mean, like, especially with, like, the, like, God, nothing's been worse for my, my, uh, my looks than being happy in a relationship. It's just, you know, so. What like, a sentence that was. I'm just saying, it's true. Or my comedy. I mean, just like, you can't go on stage like, hey, guys, I'm in a great mood. Anyway, second question. I hope that helps, by the way. Second question 
If you could pull one office prank on your co-host without any repercussions, which one and why? Eey. I mean, office prank, we don't we don't work in an office together, so that's that'd be the tough thing to do. I'd probably go for something like the old gym stapler and the jello type deal. That's pretty good. I've always thought the Put my gym- pencils in there? Yeah, definitely. We could do that. Uh, the barely being able to pull out your drawers and where they just get That's stuck. That that one is classic for me. That that that'll hide always my be frustrating. Oh, I would. That'd be a really good one too. Put a little put a little uh, Big Ten logo on the back of all your shirts. Draw it in draw it in marker. So yeah. that it's just it's it's up there at the top of the back, so you can't. I can't reach it. Exactly. Get a burner account and like just talk trash on Queso's Instagram. I would lose it. I would lose it on that too. That's not an office prank. That's just mean. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I, I think what I would do, I've tried this a couple of times with you is like, maybe not say like, Hey, yeah, today's Friday when it's Thursday, but like, there's been a couple of times like we're like, like scheduling something. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot to do that. And you're like, Wait, what? And then, Cause you say the text and it's so dry and there's no way I can actually tell what you're talking about. And I'm thinking to myself, crap, Marler, we got to do this thing in 20 minutes, man. Carter thought I was bringing queso to SEC media days, and then we turn, all thought that everyone thought that I was bringing queso. I mean, honestly, I should because you texted us, "Hey, I'm bringing queso." Sorry, sorry, I, I'm not sorry. Clearly, clearly, you are not. Um, but yeah, so like, so that would be. I think that would be pretty funny. I, I but like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see you mad either. It's not a prank. Like, that's just a lie. No, it's a, it's a parody account. Oh, it's a parody account. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so the third question, uh, and that's from David King, by the way. Your third question, what was your favorite Saturday morning NBC show? It's from Moira Priven Bushel. So I didn't know what Saturday morning NBC show meant. I already know what Saturday was. Met. I, to me, I heard that, and I thought to myself, is are they talking about cartoons or something like that? And then you explain, oh, no, it's actually like Saved by the Bell. and Like the new yeah. class. Well, I watched, I watched Saved by the Bell as a kid. Yeah, I watch I watch all those episodes. I've seen every episode. I think I saw every episode of the college years too, which there weren't too many of those. That wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I, it was worth watching. It wasn't as good as the original. You know? They they had like honestly, I don't need, I don't know if I could tell you what day or station or, or I think it was NBC, but like what day or time the actual Saved by the Bell episodes came on because I just I watched on TBS reruns like every day. Yeah, I feel like I did too. That was that was the go to. I, I always thought that Lisa Turtle was underrated. Just okay. didn't get enough respect. I thought because she was the standing spring. next to Kelly Kapowski that she didn't get enough love. Don't get me wrong, Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. All-time television character, in my opinion. But Lisa okay. Turtle, shout out. If you didn't cry when she broke up with Zach Morris because some creepy-ass 25-year-old dude named Jeff, who was the assistant manager at the Max, that was the worst. That guy was the worst. It's a hard break. Um, it really was. I So... Uh, my, I think mine was, I think it was called City Guys. It was like a basketball show. Um, and it was like, it's like a Saturday morning. Like it was basically say it was basically Saved by the Bell, but just like inner city and they played basketball and that was it. And the court was like 12 feet long. It never made any sense, but they were great. And then also they had like the best opening song. Like their intro song was like, it was awesome. Why? I understand that they have, they have sets that they have to do this stuff on. Why can't we get a basketball court and a TV yeah. show that's more than ten feet long? We we get we get it. It's not real basketball. You're not going to play in a regulation court. Come yeah. on. Whenever you see the gif of uh, of Carlton from Saved by the Bell doing right. the half court shot, where it's okay, he's ten feet away and he's doing a baseball throw. Guys, I mean, it's a white dude in a bowl cut. Like he's not going to be your starting point guard on the high school basketball team. Like, like it's already not believable. Your words, anyway. not mine. I believe in um, I believe in anything. 
I don't believe in bowl cuts. I'll say that. Uh, your last question. So Yankee Candle used to make this awesome candle called 2x4. It smelled like fresh cut wood, exclamation point. Um, only manly candle they ever had. If you could come up with a Yankee Candle scent, what would yours be? That's from Jay Woody. Simple. It's a tailgate candle. Ooh. Every once in a while, you get a little waft. The burgers on the grill. The hot dogs on the grill. Get a little hot dog episode. Get, get a little bit of that fall that fall hit every once in a while. It kind of mixes it up. It's it's a deep candle. It's got a couple of different smells to it. It's not just one constant because that's the beauty like of the that. tailgate. You walk around for a little bit. Sometimes you get the grill. Sometimes you get the crisp fall air. The best of both worlds. Give me a tailgate candle. I'd buy that tomorrow. It's like a little bit of a like it like it just unpacks layers of like a little stale beer. Yes. Maybe a little yes. throw up in the distance. Ah, uh, we can we can leave that out. Okay, we'll still beer though. That's fine. That's fine. Um. All right, mine is 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 kind of similar because it's about football and childhood and my favorite smells and that's cigarettes. I thought um, you were going to win some Salem there. <laughs> no, uh, I think mine would be new car smell or, or like leather. Can you just make a leather candle? That sounds weird and aggressive, but like I don't know if that would burn too well. <laughs> probably not, but I mean, just whenever you like like new car smell or like new shoe smell. Oh, that's, that's good. The best. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so that's it. Or gas. I love sniffing gas and huffing glue, huffing paint. Damn it. Anyway. <laughs> It might be too much. Go on. Everybody's probably seen this by now, but the Knoxville radio host, uh, Tyler uh, Ivins. I think it's Tyler Ivins. That's, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he's camping out atop the Knoxville of, of Toyota until Tennessee wins a game. The Athletic did a great story on this. Uh, he's got a camping tent inside of a Tennessee tailgating tent. So speaking of tailgating. Uh, local restaurants are bringing the guy food. Um, cops actually told him because it's it's right off of I forty right there in Knoxville. It's not. I thought. Oh god. It's it's right off the highway. I mean, he is it, it, to the point where the cops had to tell him to send out a video to people saying, "Hey, don't pull off to the side of the road and yell words of encouragement to me." <laughs> this this guy is Words going encouragement? for it. Yeah. So, because this was done 30 years ago, somebody did it in 1988. They did it in Nashville. A radio host did it in the midst of Tennessee's 0-3 start. Now, the hope and what this guy is banking on is that Tennessee's going to win this Saturday against Mississippi this State. This Saturday, he started doing this on, I believe, Tuesday was the start. He said he said before the Georgia game, he said following the Georgia game. I will do essentially a hundred a hunger strike for Tennessee football. Good God! So here's the thing: if they lose this Saturday, everybody knows they got Bama right after that, and then you got South Carolina the week after that. Yeah, that's South Carolina at home. Tennessee's probably still going to be an underdog for that game. You put that Ten- out. There's a decent chance Tennessee could be an underdog for the next three games, and then don't sleep on the UAB Blazers, man. You know it. Do not sleep on that team. They're four and one right now. I'm not great at organizing or planning things, but if you were doing this, why would you not just look ahead to next week? Like, like okay, like this is a tough game, but who we have next week? Bama. You haven't beat them in 12 years. That's why That's I did it this week, though. Bold move. Bold That's move. Why it's, it's a very bold move. It's it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, the whole uh, the Bud Light fridges with, with, yeah. with all the beer that they were going to unlock once they won- got oh, their yeah. first win last year. Remember, that was only last year. That wasn't that long ago. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was very cool. But stuff like this is uh, just kind of peak. It might mean too much. Desperate times, man. Desperate, uh, desperate times in Knoxville. Speaking of, we are going to start a weekly thread in the yes. Facebook group um, to kind of have a. You guys have been awesome with this. There's been uh, a, a few people that have uh, been really, really involved in helping, like, just like set up like consistent threads. So if I forget to do fourth and wrong questions like I do every week, 
you know, we have we have a plan in place. So Love it. Connor, even though he doesn't forget this kind of stuff, um, throw out any fourth and wrong ideas or suggestions uh, in our weekly Facebook, what do you call it, um, group thread about it. It'll be up every Wednesday. Yes, and some of those will be written about in my weekly column that I, mm-hmm. that I do, and we'll bring up the best ones on air. I appreciate everybody who's been sending us those. Also, we forgot to bring this up with Adam, but follow, uh, if you have not oh, subscribed yeah. to our SDS newsletter, definitely do that. You want all of your SDS news emailed to you? You want to be able to just open your email and have it just sitting right there, click on a bunch of links? Boom, easy, easy stuff. All you gotta do, go go on any story page on SDS right now, and there should be a link in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen that's gonna come up with the SDS newsletter. If you wanna subscribe, you put your email in there. Adam does a great job putting that Dude. together. It takes a lot of work to be able to handle all that stuff, and as you know, because you were doing I, it last I did year. it last year, and I failed. We, I, we, we lost like 3,000 total subscribers. He's, he's gained, like, <laughs> oh, he doubled it. He doubled it. Like, it's like up, up to, but no, like, all jokes aside, like a newsletter sounds really lame. This thing's awesome. Even oh, it's great. We were at SC Network. I hate to say it, I forgot his name, but he was like the highest of the higher ups that were there. He's like, oh, yeah, I start every Sunday with y'all's newsletter. That's how I get caught up on everything. Because it's not even just all the articles that we write. It's like just a boatload of information about SEC football and nationally. So, Yes, definitely make sure that you do that. We've got some five-star reviews to get to, some great five-star reviews to get to. This first one, Ryan Ortego 1 says, five stars five times player of the week. I've been wanting to write a review for a while, but haven't had the words to give this podcast due credit. But something in my heart leapt when I heard Uncle Chris compare angels in the outfield to SEC football. The dad takes off on his motorcycle and says, I'll be back when the angels win the pennant. Is the absolute equivalent of Nukas taking off, taking off and his Harley screeching, I'll be back when Vandy wins the conference. I've never belly laughed so hard at a podcast. There's never been a better sports analogy. There's never been a better podcast. This kind of clever and quality content is what keeps me coming back. The SEC insights are good too. Keep it up, boys. Go Tigers. Thank you, yeah, Ryan Ortego. Nothing funny about a broken home, Ryan, but I mean, geez. Uh, I'm kidding. We appreciate it. That was good. Um, y'all have no... This is from Kyle in Lake City, Florida. The subject says, my review. Y'all have no idea how much I appreciate this podcast. I spend hours in my vehicle out and about prospecting, and this is the only thing coming through my speakers. And Uncle Chris, I'll have my favorite Texas Pete recipe to you shortly. Hashtag sauce like you mean it. Hashtag go Gators. Thank you, Kyle in Lake City, Florida. This is John WDE. I not sure what WDE is. Uh, do you know, Marler? Do you want to say you're it? reading this one. Okay. You don't want to say what WDE is? Okay. Uh, I want to hate this show and the hosts, and I feel like I should, but I just can't. I love it so much. It helps that Chris is an, <laughs> is an in-the-closet barner or eagle. Johnny. Thanks, That's a lot to say. Um, yeah. Here, you read the next one because I'm pulling up one from Facebook. Last, to read. This, uh, last, last one that we have on iTunes here. Um, this is from Matt D. Price 64 Best sports podcast by far. I listen every single week. Having said that, Marler has got to stop yawning on air, driving me crazy. <laughs> Keep up the good work, except for the yawning. It was so early in the morning. Um, it was 8.30. It, was, it wasn't that bad. We were out until 3. Anyway, we were not so out this until is from... Three. That's a lie. That's a okay. lie. This is from Alexander Nicole, and this was one of my favorite things from the week. Uh, this was on Monday. I had just gotten my medical bill from the appendix, and so this was a great pick-me-up. I needed this. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you for accepting me into this group. I don't post a lot or comment, but I love reading the posts. I want to give a huge I want to give huge love to Chris Marler and Conor O'Gara. I was not raised on football, especially college football. I am not from the South and did not go to college in the South. 
Uh, did not have a football team at her college. A few years ago, I got into college football by accident. It's a happy accident. Love it. Um, I was bored on Saturday. I saw Nick Saban and went, yes. Girl, same. Uh, judge me, okay? Eventually, I started actually watching Bama and getting into the game. I began to understand it, understand Bama and other CC schools. I want to say a year ago, I found your site and podcast. I'm so happy that I did. Like I said, being a girl that did not grow up in the South, she's from Long Island, or go to football, go to a football school, you guys are awesome. I'm learning about not just Bama, but other SEC schools and football in general. You make it understandable, enjoyable, and hysterical. Sorry for this long post, but I just want to say how great you guys are. 10 out of 10. That was the best. Thank you so much, Alexandra. That, that was, was great. Awesome. That was awesome. Thank you so much, everybody who has sent us five-star reviews, everybody who has subscribed to the SDS Podcast. Please tell all your friends, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, everybody to do that. Make sure that you're watching Uncle Chris on Saturday mornings, coming in hot. And Monday. Are we going to get yawns on Saturday morning? I mean, probably. Somebody said to do it. You just yawned right there when I said that, didn't you? It's been a long day. It was a silent yawn. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We got a great week. Single dad life right now. (laughs) We got a great week seven slate. Hope everybody enjoys it. Coach O, you got a big game coming up this weekend. I'm going to refrain from doing a Coach O today. Um, But, guys, have a great week. It might mean two more. Talk to you after this weekend.